you're going to see the people who are the most frontier friendly, let's say they're, they're ready to take a chance for some higher return and they're, uh, you know, ready to take an adventure. And they will then, I think, pave those dusty Western town streets and put up the street lights over time and others will move there. And that's how all this happens. That's how it's happening in Brave. Cryptocurrency is still very much an early adopter thing. Only 13% of us have crypto and it's still pretty hard to manage. Uh, wallets are complicated. Accounts are challenging to set up. It was literally hard to give my kids some small amounts of Ethereum because KYC and AML protocols, know your customer, anti-money laundering are all in effect. So Brave has done some super interesting things in the browser space. They've got privacy-focused browsing for one thing. Also, people earn crypto, the basic attention token, when they agree to see ads. So you monetize your time instead of Google or Facebook monetizing your time. Now Brave is adding a native cryptocurrency wallet built into the browser. It's free. It connects to hardware wallets if you choose. And it will allow you to use dApps, distributed apps natively in browser, as well as buy crypto, make payments, trade crypto, and more. Here to chat about it is Brendan Ike, the CEO of Brave. Brendan, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Hey, super pumped to have you. Why are you putting a crypto wallet in a browser? Well, we want to make it possible for your kids to receive directly, and that's called self-custody. They don't need to try to sign up with Coinbase or another custodial service where they might just be too young or they might have a hard time with all that KYC, you know, your customer, know your client, uh, rigmarole, which is really for the purpose of anti-money laundering and sanction list enforcement and stuff like that. So it's serious stuff, but it doesn't apply to your kids. And if your kids can just, you know, get crypto from you in a browser wallet, provided they have a good way to secure the key, uh, they could have it when they're grown up. They could have it mm -hmm. when it's gone up. So what can you do with this wallet? So this is initially starting off as a self-custody wallet. You can list your assets, you can get quotes, you can buy and sell. And then we're adding more chains as we go. We're starting with Ethereum and EVM compatible chains. So we'll have, I believe we'll have Avalanche C chain support and we'll have Polygon support, things like that. We're going to rapidly add Bitcoin and Solana, which was announced uh, just last week. Uh, I already missed it already uh, in Lisbon where I spoke on stage with Anatoly Yakovenko of Solana. And uh, we're going to add other chains. We're trying to be uh, multi-chain. But what I announced last week was in order to help dApps default to a, a low-fee, fast chain, we're going to make multi-chain dApps, uh, which there are more and more, that support Solana and other chains in Brave default to Solana. Now, if the dApp wants to override that, they can. If the user wants to override it, the user can. Uh, but you have to make a default. It's analogous to search engines. If you type keywords into a browser address bar, you're going to search somewhere. In Vivaldi, that's with Bing. In a lot of browsers that have Google deals, it's Google. In Brave, it's Brave Search for new users. We've made that default for installed or going to yeah. promote it to our existing base. So the 13% who have crypto right now probably understood most of that. Some of that they didn't. The the 80, 87% <laughs> who don't are going like, what is a self-custody wallet? What does that mean? So like let me back up. <laughs> let's back up just a little bit there and say, okay, what is a self-custody wallet and what is that opposed to? What, what's the other option? Right. So I guess you could think of self-custody like 
grandpa putting money in the mattress or, you know, people keep cash in a lockbox at home, keep valuables. Some people have gold. That's self-custody. You're the custodian. You have to secure it against, you know, burglars, things like that. And any light-fingered uh, people in your house. But yes. you can count on it being there if you've done a good job securing it and it's pretty close to hand. Don't have to go ask somebody to send it for you or take it out of a, of a safe deposit box at a bank and give it to you. That's self-custody and that applies to cryptocurrency in its original design, certainly on Bitcoin and Ethereum with old accounts. And it's really how all these crypto systems work. Solana has nicely woven uh, multi-sig, multiple signatures in so you can have shared keys or, or multiple uh, keys to, to get access, which is convenient sometimes. But uh, generally think of it as you have the key to the lockbox and the lockbox is in your house, in this case, your browser. As opposed to having your money in a bank, as opposed to having somebody else control it, manage it and everything else. So yeah, you have more control, you have more security, but you also have more responsibility. So there, there is some give and some take there. Now you talked about dApps. Explain what dApps are. Okay. So dApp is a somewhat awkward short name for a decentralized app. And decentralization is itself kind of confusing because people sometimes just think it means having uh, multiple machines providing parts of a solution for you. That would be a distributed system. That's not decentralized. Decentralization in, in its cryptocurrency use really means a peer-to-peer -peer network of many, many machines that all are confirming each other's idea of the state of the world. It's called distributed ledger or people use distributed ledger technology, DLT. It's kind of a three-letter acronym or people just say blockchain and it, it makes mm. it's not exactly a blockchain. Maybe it's a, a graph or doesn't matter. It's some kind of shared database and all these computers using cryptographic proofs and puzzle solving. These are mathematical games really can become convinced that they have the latest and consensus version of this database. And it's important that you have a, some properties to the design of this network. It has to have rules for consensus that are resilient in the case of the network cutting in half accidentally, or this is the really hard problem that was brilliantly solved in computer science over the last what, for 50 years, Byzantine generals problem or Byzantine fault tolerance. This is for history buffs that the Byzantine empire, uh, as it aged, the emperor's sons started not being trustworthy and their generals started not being trustworthy. And emperor couldn't be sure how many generals were going to betray him in some tense situation. And uh, that's why you hear people talk about how, you know, the modern U.S. I don't know bureaucracy is Byzantine, but yeah. in, in the case of blockchain, it means that there's an actual sort of game theory model here where you can rely on the blockchain decided consensus so long as certain fraction of the nodes are honest and hundred percent. That, that fraction varies. Uh, people argue about what that fraction is, but. The more notes, the better. It's hard for anyone to grab, you know, 51% or one third might be enough in some cases. But if you have a lot of them and you have consensus that looks good, you can inspect this, you can look back into the past because it's a public history. It's not just a database. People say chain, it goes back in time. So you can become convinced that there's no need for a trusted third party, like a bank to tell you your money's there. Your money's there. This episode is sponsored by Dollar Smart, my creator coin. Yeah, it's crypto. No, it's not a scam. Buy some to support the show, sponsor the show, 
get weekly rewards as the coin grows, or just to be part of the community at rally.io slash creator slash SMRT. Okay, so you've gone deep in the technology there and also the history. <laughs> Tell somebody why they should care. What is a distributed app that, you know what, they might want to use? Uh, we're talking about 87% here. Uh, what's a, a app that, hey, you know, that's kind of cool. That's a neat use case. I, I, I would actually like to use that. I'll, I'll mention the, the big favorite, decentralized exchanges. So we talked about banks and do you trust your bank? And after 2008, some people don't. Uh, and the banks kind of got away with bad things then. So people like the idea of self-custody, whether it's, you know, some money or gold in a lockbox or it's crypto in their own machines wallet, something that is keyed to them only. They have a control of the key. They have secured the way of getting at that cryptocurrency, but then they want to trade it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Don't Bitcoin, you want to hold it. <laughs> and in the past, I have <laughs> Bitcoiners who said, no, no, I'll send it. I'll tip you. I'm like, no, you won't. And you shouldn't. And this was four years ago, so they definitely shouldn't have. They should have followed it all. Uh, but people are, are sending BAT and other many other kinds of tokens and coins. And when you send it, well, you can send it straight to another person whose address you have. Maybe they gave you the address through a secure messaging channel. But if you type the address wrong or if some imposter tricked you and gave you a different address and you thought it was your friend, you're going to be sad because you're going to send that cryptocurrency or token to the wrong address and you can't get it back. One of the other mm-hmm. problems with blockchains is it's generally immutable and final. <laughs> Once it's sent, there's no undo. Yep. You know, banks may have some, some advantages here. You can dispute a credit card charge. Yes, you can. On a check. You can, but you know, it's a trade-off, like you said. With, with blockchain and direct sending, it's got to know what you're doing. And we can make that easier with name services and ways to confirm that it's really your friend through secure channels. And that's something that's on the agenda at Brave because we have the whole browser user interface as a canvas to paint upon. But I mentioned exchange. Suppose you don't just want to send to a friend, you want to trade your bat for some Bitcoin. Then you either have to go to a regulated centralized exchange, which is a custodian like Coinbase that also has uh, an order book. They have ways of letting people bid and ask for uh, you know, I have, I have free bat and I want, you know, a thousand of a Bitcoin and will somebody send me that please? And you'll haggle on the price and you'll come to an agreement and that's all cleared by the, the central exchange. But thanks to DAPs, to decentralization on blockchains with smart contract systems, the ability to do computation all around the world on these machines that form the network where they all agree on the computation or on its observable inputs and outputs that you can do a decentralized exchange. You don't need a regulated centralized exchange like Coinbase or, you know, Kraken or uh, m- many others, Binance. You can just do it through uh, a smart contract address mm-hmm. on Ethereum, let's say. And again, I'm getting a little expert here because this is not as easy as it should be, but think about it as you're sending some, some bat into a, a contract address on Ethereum, which is a special kind of address. It's not an Ethereum owned address that might be your friend or an imposter. And you're sending them kind of a message in there to tell the decentralized exchange smart contract system that you want to trade that for Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through the magic of, of this blockchain and this smart contract system, all these computers working to agree on what to do, you can actually get Bitcoin back. 
in other words, it's essentially like in the traditional uh, financial system, putting money in escrow in some sense, not exactly, but sort of, and you have some more safety and, and, and control over how that works. Yes, it's like an escrow, but there's no escrow officer who could invest. So there's just yes. this world computer. If you trust that enough, you can avoid trusting some singular third party that does go wrong, makes a mistake or is a villain. And the other thing is I mentioned getting Bitcoin back on Ethereum. That sounds crazy, but people have actually wrapped Bitcoin. My friends at BitGo did this first. Yep. Uh, so there's a way of taking uh, cryptocurrency from one chain, the Bitcoin blockchain, and wrapping it onto another blockchain, Ethereum. And that's really unlocked a lot of the potential for exchange and decentralized finance. Very interesting. Uh, so another thing that you've done is you've added support for NFTs. Obviously, super hot category, tons going on there. Talk to us about NFTs and how that works in the Brave new uh, cryptocurrency wallet. Yeah, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. I saw it just sitting, somebody said, they're like buying an experience. <laughs> it sounds confusing. <laughs> or people are selling like 8-bit pixel art, this sort of uh, 8-bit game aesthetic going on of funny looking apes, smoking monkeys. Bored apes, yes. Bored and gambling monkeys. Space apes. (laughs) Space apes. But, and and, you know, somebody can copy those pixels, but if you have an NFT and you do the right cryptographic signatures, you can say, hey, that's my art. I put that into this NFT and I'm going to sell it. And amazingly, you sell for some amount of money. There's actually, you know, higher quality art from people like Beeple, uh, who I know Mm -hmm. from Otoy, where we're both advisors. And um, some of those pieces have sold for quite a lot. So think of it as art, but also I want to mention the Unlocked Protocol. It's a project from a friend, Julian Genestu, who's got a system of using NFTs for memberships. Think of it as like a a key to the club, whether it's a a private club or a a subscriber club with a creator or newspaper or online publisher. And that's a great model because you can then do things to benefit that NFT owner. You can give them extra perks you can give them passes to get a content that people who don't pay for that nft can't get and it's not fungible in that you can just pump it around and use it in exchange and sell it for something you have to find a buyer who wants it like a collectible like uh like a pass for our neighborhood pool which we bought from somebody who was moving out of the area and that's Mm -hmm. what nfts are good for in my opinion okay cool so let's talk about safety of using this. What protocols have you built in to make it safe for somebody to store their cryptocurrency in the Brave browser? Yeah, great fun last week when I was in Lisbon. As we were tweeting about things at the conference, somebody came in and said, I'm using the MetaMask extension, which is a wallet extension on the desktop browsers like Chrome, Firefox. You can even use it on Brave. But we have the built-in wallet. And I want to highlight this, not to say MetaMask is, is something shouldn't use it's widely used but that if you use an extension you're kind of at the mercy of google's rules for that extension in chrome and you cannot as an extension creator like metamask you cannot take over the entire canvas of the user interface you cannot be sure that you can put trusted user interface elements that cannot be impersonated or spoofed by the page up and so people are getting fake metamask extensions by mistake or by being tricked and they're installing them and then they're putting their precious crypto in through their key that they remember, or they have a hardware key storage system for, and then that extension could steal it. And that's really bad. So we've, we've started fighting this. And as soon as you fight it on Twitter and mention MetaMask, you get swarmed by these, I think they're people, but in parts of the world where it's inexpensive to pay them to do this, they pretend to be 
helping people get their currency back, or they pretend to be yes. MetaMask support team. And they say, Hey, we can help you go to this link. And it turns out it's a Google docs. Form. Yep. And you put your private keys in there and we'll help you with that. I've had the same attack given to me. It's Absolutely. Terrible. Yep. Or I guarantee they do. And, and the person who contacted us last week was falling for it. And we said, wait a minute, you don't have their own MetaMask and that saved them. But at the bottom of this form, it shows a box to put your private key material, the 12 words, chosen words in. And right below that, Google has a nice little fine printed message saying, do not put passwords into Google Forms. <laughs> no, no one reads the fine print. So I, it's better to laugh than cry, but it's a serious uh, criminality and it's a bad problem. And MetaMask, no insult to them, as an extension, cannot do everything that they would like to. We're a browser. We can give you a unique page that you've seen before that's customized to you, that is almost like an art. Maybe it's your favorite board ape that you can use to confirm that you're dealing with securities or interface. You can enter your 12 words. We can tie that into the outside of the browser, which extensions cannot modify and yeah. help users understand to look for that so-called browser Chrome. That's the old phrase we used. It was a yes. standard inspired the name for Google's browser, but the outside of the browser that cannot be impersonated, often called the Chrome or the user interface, we're tying into the wallet and we're tying the wallet into it. So for those who aren't into crypto and listening to this, you're wondering, what are these 12 words here? Well, when you have your money in your mattress in a custodial wallet that you have control over, then you have a secret phrase. It's like a password. It's 12 words. And with those 12 words, anybody can get access to your funds uh, if they have them. So you want to keep them safe. And Brendan's talking about essentially, hey, because we own the browser experience here, we can ensure that it's not being impersonated. We can ensure that it's safe. So that does seem quite interesting. I have to also say that when I go to a DAP and it's like saying, hey, connect Coinbase wallet or something like that, I'm always like, mm. I'm not sure if I really want to, <laughs> you know, I, you know there, that, that seems really scary to me. So it's kind of neat to imagine maybe just using a browser, the crypto is natively available there. Your dApps just work there. Uh, your NFTs just come in. That makes a ton of sense to me. I think it's a very cool thing. Uh, you're obviously on mobile, you're on desktop on the brave browser, brave app. What's next? So as we have these other blockchains, we, we want to make it easy to connect them. I mentioned wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum. We have wrapped bat on Solana already, thanks to a cool bridge or proxying system, let's call it, called Wormhole. And if you look at wormholecrypto.com, you can read about it. It's actually a multi-chain sort of transporter, like in Star Trek, for getting between different blockchains. And it, you put the bat in on the Ethereum side into a smart contract. and one cool thing about Wormhole is it doesn't require a central trusted third party to be the custodian of that bat when it's sent in. That's how BitGo's wrap Bitcoin works on Ethereum. BitGo has a South Dakota trust, so they're regulated. You can trust them. If you send Bitcoin in to that trust, it can pop out as wrap Bitcoin on Ethereum and no one will embezzle it and leave you holding an empty bag. But uh, because what's on Ethereum is really a bag wrapping around Bitcoin. But that is on Solana through this wormhole bridge. And there are lots of other assets that can be proxied or bridged this way. And that gives you even more power to find the best price, find the best decentralized finance DeFi system. And Solana has a bunch of them because it's fast and cheap compared to Ethereum. So we, you know, we're seeing all sorts of excitement around the combination of a self-custody wallet that's multi-chain and 
decentralized finance, smart contract systems on mobile chains. And again, you have to be kind of expert to use them, but if you do, you can make good yield better than a bank will pay. Banks are paying hardly anything now. Interest rates may be creeping up on the, on the lending side, but on the savings side, they've not moved much off the zero bound that the central banks ran up against. Uh, but if you use crypto because of the, I think to be fair, the youngness of the space and the ability to find arbitrage opportunities and find, let's say crypto whales who want to hedge, you can get a better yield on your savings, on your committed assets that are put into an account to be lent. And so it's a saving and borrowing system in general. There could be things like derivatives. FTX has a smart contract system on Solana called Serum. It's a decentralized exchange. You can do things there, all sorts of interesting pairs that act like derivatives because they give you higher leverage, like a stable coin and a very rare sort of or unusual uh, token on a De DeFi smart contract system. Those can be traded as a pair. But what we're looking forward to do in Braves, make this all useful by non-finance quant maniacs. And that means, so just, just let me earn some return. I've got some assets sitting. I've got some bats sitting there. I opt into auto yielding and I, you, you can give me three and a half percent, five percent, maybe eight percent. And if I don't like it, I'll turn it off. If the rates go down, you'll alert me. I can decide what to do. We're going to automate this as much as possible to make auto yielding or auto earning an option. So, so Brendan, talk a little bit more about that because. I'm going to be honest with you. You've done a really good job over the last 10 minutes of probably convincing that 87% that this is way too freaking complicated for them to ever get into or even think about because you're talking about different ways of doing arbitrage and, and wallets and exchanges and moving money and people that are not into crypto. Even people that are into crypto don't know all the things that you know, obviously, but people who are not into crypto are just going like, holy freaking mother, this is a whole different world. It's got a whole new terminology and I don't understand any of it. It all seems kind of synthetic and weird. It seems pretty dangerous. People are always grabbing crypto and everything like that. So really briefly, how are you changing that? How are you going to make that simple for the beginning user? who wants to get into some crypto, maybe they're going to download Brave and maybe buy a little bit, maybe get a little bit of bat by watching a few ads here or there. Right. How are you going to make this world accessible for them? So that's, so by the way, I know people who started out like you described, they had no clue and they were scared, but some of them were adventury. This is how the frontiers were formed in, in history. And they took a chance and they learned by doing and if they lost a little bit, they didn't gamble too unwisely and they ended up liking it and learning. Now it's still too complicated, but what I'm describing with automation should make it much easier. So when you go to a bank, you can see a posted annual percentage rate yield on the savings. Again, it's pretty low. I, I did sweeten the, the future pot here by saying, in spite of all this complexity, if we automate it, you can make, I said 8%. I'm seeing that still on some DeFi systems. That should cause some of your listeners to think twice about not being scared because that's a lot better than zero or 0 0.1. And so yes, it is people migrate to this and you're going to see the people who are the most frontier friendly, let's say there's no you know particular aspect to them. I can generalize about, except they're, they're ready to take a chance for some higher return and they're, uh, you know, ready to take an adventure and they will then, I think, pave those dusty Western town streets and put up the street lights over time and others will move there. And that's how all this happens. That's how it's happening in Brave. Yeah. 
Okay, that makes sense. Now talk to the person who has um, dabbled in crypto, maybe a little bit more than dabbled, have a couple hundred K in crypto, some in Ethereum, some in Bitcoin, a few other coins, maybe some bat, maybe some other stuff, uh, rally, whatever the case might be. And you're saying, hey, uh, I've got a way for you to make an 8% return on the funds that you've got in crypto. What do they do? So we haven't shipped this. This is not coming out this week, but we envision next year in the first half, I hope the ability to sort of opt in, press a button, read the terms and agree because it's a centralized system and there's always risk, but there's no, you're not signing up with anybody. You're not identifying yourself, press that button and your funds go into the smart contract system and you get yield back. And it's an annual percentage rate yield that could be high, like 8%, but it's compounded daily. So you're getting a smaller amount each day that exponentiates up to 8%. So that, you know, 1.08. So that's, that's cool. And that's just the push button. If you're willing to read, understand what you're doing. And there's, like I said, there's no zero risk in life. Life yeah. is risk. So the contract system get out of bug. The people who run it could put a back door in it. that allows them yeah. to steal the funds or one of their bad employees to steal the funds. All sorts of things can go wrong. Ethereum, God forbid, or Solana could go down or fail, you know, meteor strikes, but these are really low, low risk events, uh, low odds events. I would say uh, the risk is odds times the cost. So the, the cost to be high if you put a lot in there, but the odds yes. are low. And uh, I think people are going to pave these streets. I, I look forward to those streets being paved. They need to be paved because as it currently stands, even with some of the custodial wallets, uh, the coin bases and other things like that, it's a complex world and there's a lot going on there. And so there, there needs to be things that bring these uh, technologies together, allow ordinary people to use and buy NFTs if they choose, whether as tickets to events or, or just proof of ownership of something. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Brendan, I want to thank you for taking this time and look forward to seeing what Brave brings out, uh, not only today uh, as you release this new version and this wallet, but also next year as you uh, allow people to invest or maybe reap a return. I can tell you one thing, a known risk with the inflation we have right now, the money that's sitting in my bank in uh, in just cash is losing maybe a percent a month. Uh, you know, that's probably a high rate over the past that's month. Painful. But you know, yeah. Yes, it's it's not doing well. Uh, just inflation is eating away that that value. So, thank you so much, Brendan, for your time. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure.